0: Let's pray together. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Father, we just want to thank you for the celebration of this Sunday and the season of Advent leading up to Christmas to remind us of your birth, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, God, as we are here on the first week of December, as it's December 1st, I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would just have instilled within us in our hearts a passion and a zeal to finish strong and to really reflect upon this year and to really use it as an opportunity for us to really live for your kingdom, not for ourselves, but for your purpose, O oh God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we're here sitting in our seats, I pray, God, that this message will not go from one year to the other. But, Lord, I pray, Lord, God, that you will sunk deep in our hearts, that the words that will be spoken today, God, will be your words and will take deep root in our heart, O God. Give us Holy Spirit's conviction, O Lord. I pray, God, for your presence, for your glory to fall heavy in this room, O God. I pray, Lord, we will never grow so used to. God, hearing your messages every week, taking things for granted I pray Holy Spirit that will take your word of life and God I pray God the dead spirit the dead heart within us will come to life once again I pray Holy Spirit take away this dead heart stone of mine and instill within me a living spirit oh God a heart of flesh a heart that is alive and to be able to hear and to feel your presence once again Lord forgive me of my sins Forgive me, on oh my rebellion. I my humble myself today. Here I am, God, on my knees to hear your voice. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us today. We need you, Lord. Lord, now as you transition, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Let me speak with gentleness and with humility and with authority that comes in your name, O oh God. I pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray, amen and amen. All right, let's take a moment to greet our neighbors, the neighbors that are sitting next to us. Welcome. Hope you guys enjoyed your Thanksgiving. I'm glad to be here with you on December, December 1st, uh, as we head off and begin the season of Advent, which will eventually lead to Christmas and to the New Year's. can't believe it's going to be. 2020 wow crazy just how things go and how times fly but i am so blessed to be in this journey with you guys and i pray uh, right now at this moment uh, that you would just get yourself ready and to hear the message uh, that god has for us and i feel that this message is very fitting for us today because the season right now this week the message today is called hope turn to your neighbor and say hope And say, find hope in Christ. So hope to the broken, finding hope in Christ. So let's go ahead, before we go ahead and dive into the main message, let's go ahead and talk about what Advent means. So now, when we think of Advent, we think of Christmas, right? The birth of Jesus. But as Christians, we understand that there are two events. The first Advent has already come which was the birth of Jesus Christ when he came, and it's what the Old Testament people are waiting. They were waiting. They're waiting for a Messiah to come, and that has already happened. But the second event is right now is what we are living in, right? It's the second coming of Jesus Christ to judge the world. So again, let's go over the definition of event. Evan means the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event the first season of the church year leading up to Christmas and including the four preceding Sundays. So the synonyms of this word, the synonym of this word is coming, arrival, and appearance. Jesus had already come in the birth as a child and he lived a sinless life. He died and he died on the cross and he rose again. He died for our sins. The second coming of Jesus Christ, the second advent, is coming coming and the arrival and the appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ in all of his full glory. So at the time of the first advent, when Jesus was born, literally, he shifted history from B.C. to A.D., Anno Tamini, right? From, we also know it as, after Christ. So we know that during birth of Jesus Christ, there were a lot of things happening at that time. Life was not easy. 50% of the time, people died because of disease, people were hungry, and it says that in the end of Malachi, there was about 400 years of gap, of darkness, and it said that no one heard the voice of God right before Jesus came into the picture. There were churches, yes, there were temples, but these were not real temples. They were not even the descendant of the Aaron, the Levites. They were self-appointed priests. And they were having their playing church, and people came pretending to hear the voice of God. And people were hungry. There were a lot of injustice happening at that time. Think about it, for 400 years, churches were there, but it wasn't a real church. People were desperately waiting for the Messiah, for the Savior to come and to save the world. They were waiting, they were desperately waiting. Again, no real believers, no real priests. The churches, the temples were corrupt. No revelation from God. And people were getting tired of the way of religion. And they were thinking, when will the Messiah come and save us? And who was the, uh, the power, the ruler at that time? The Roman Empire. And they were praying, when will you, God, when will you send the Messiah to save us from the oppression of this Roman rule? And it is in that moment Right? The prophets were saying, be ready, be ready. The greatest light will shine in the greatest darkness, and he will come and he will save the world. And it is in that darkness, in the midst of all that was happening in that time, the greatest light comes into this world. So the scripture says, Matthew twelve twenty one: in his name the nations will put their hope. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Meaning this new Messiah, this king will come, and he will make everything, everything new, all the old way of life, everything that you knew will disappear. It will change you forever. Romans 15, 12 says, says, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the word hope is mentioned over and over and over again in Romans 15 and verse 12 in this one verse. Again, the root of Jesse will spring up. One who will rise is talking about the descendant of Jesse. Who is Jesse? The father of David. Through that lineage, This Messiah will come, one who will rise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles, who are the Gentiles? We are the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Us, for us who who are hopeless without a Savior. Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in who? In Christ, in him, in Jesus Christ, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Advent means. We are living in the season of Second Advent. When Christmas comes around, it's a reminder for us to get ourselves right, to check yourself. It's for you to look in the mirror and ask yourself, Where am I in my walk with the Lord? Where am I? Am I finding hope in myself? Am I finding hope in my job? Am I finding hope in my relationship? Am I finding hope in the things of this world that are temporary things that will never fully satisfy you? Or in this season, are you finding your hope in Jesus Christ? If you're not finding hope in Jesus Christ, you're finding hope in something else. And that something else is garbage compared to our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't even compare to the majesty, the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray that as we dive into the message of hope, that during this season, that you will not forget to please place your hope in the Lord, in our Messiah, in our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's begin. The main passage today is found in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to verse 50. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to verse 50. And I'll start with this before I go ahead and read. The deeper, meaning greater your sin, the greater the sin, the deeper, the greater his love is for me. What am I trying to say here? You may be sitting here right now, you may think my sins are too big. My sins are too big that maybe God doesn't love me anymore or how can God love me? You may think that way. But I want you to always remember that no matter what you have done or what you've committed, that when you come and you repent and you humble yourself, you come to the Lord, that his love will not just match it, but he will overflow it. And he will outmatch your sins. He will outmatch your mistakes, meaning how deep are my sins? So ask yourself, just how deep are my sins? Some of you, the answer will be greater than the oceans. Yes, even for me. My sins are too much. I could never pay this debt back, the sins that I've committed in my life. My sins are too big, too great. But I know that the love of Lord, the love of my God, His love will outmatch any of my mistakes, any of my sins. You could put all the layers of humans, all of humanity, all the years of humans, all the people that have lived in this time, in history, even to the f- present and to the future. You could add up all the layers of people and all the sin of every individual, and you compare it with Jesus Christ and who He is. The worthiness of our Lord Jesus Christ, it will always outweigh the sins of all of human So remember, when you ask yourself the question, just how deep are my sins? Some of you may say, it's infinite. But you know what? His love is greater than your sins. Never forget that. Never forget that, you. Never forget that. So let's go ahead and dive into the main passage today. Luke 7, verse 36 to verse 50. Let's go ahead. The title is called, Jesus Anointed by a Sinful Woman. Again, this lady does not have a name. Sinful Woman. Now, just to be clear before we go ahead and read this is not the same Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. We don't know who this lady is. It's very similar to the story of Mary, the sister of Martha. But this woman is known as a sinful woman. So we could see her as a prostitute or someone who is sinful, right? Who, is, who should not be in this story, in this picture. So let's go ahead and read. So one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. His name was Simon. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind them at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to tell you. He's talking to the Pharisee, not Simon the Peter. Tell me, teacher, he said, two men owe money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. So to have an understanding of the denarii. One denarii equals a day's worth of wage. So you can see the 500 denarii is about two years' worth of salary. So whatever, let's put it in equivalent to whatever salary you're getting per year, two years. So 50, a little over a month. So one of them owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And it says in verse 42, neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave, meaning he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt, the bigger sin forgiven, canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. Meaning Jesus was not treated with honor at that time. You would go into someone's house, and the thing that you do—it's like kind of like offering a glass of water. When you go into someone's house, you know it's like a person that doesn't. Like when Antonia forgets the water, you know it's like very rude, right? So she, sometimes she gets me the the ninety-nine cents, the what is it, Fubu? Yeah, Fubu water. <laughs> Anyways, it's 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 uh, it's polite to offer water. And he's saying, "Look, when I came into your house, Simon." You did not give me any water for my feet because it was custom to wash the feet because feet were dirty at that time. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Again, hair symbolizes so much meaning. I mean, you don't let anyone touch your hair, right? Let alone in the subway, someone sneezes on your jacket. Okay, but when they sneeze on your hair, whoa, what are you doing to my hair? And then gum on your hair. Hair signifies the importance of the humility of this woman. She wiped them with her hair. Verse 45, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, for for she loved much. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other, the, the, the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And it was her faith that saved this woman. She could have done all the act of wiping and doing the act of looking good in front of people. But if she didn't have faith, if she didn't have hope in Jesus Christ then all this would have gone into the garbage. So let's put this in perspective. Let's understand the context of Luke chapter 7, what's happening, what's happening in this passage. This woman right here, she doesn't have a name. And she is a woman residing in the Middle East. I'm not talking about Middle East, present time. I'm talking about back in the day, small towns surrounded by highly conservative religious men, Pharisee men. Think about the courage it took for her to be in the, in the midst of this situation. She was degraded, right? What did Simon say? Jesus, if you knew, if this man were a prophet, if he knew, if he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. We know in this passage that she is a sinful woman, meaning she was judged, and we see the history of women. We talked about how the devil has a special attack and hatred towards women. We talked about the book that we've done through discipleship. We talked about the feet binding, which was outlawed in 1930, which continue on after that. What is feet binding? It's the sick fetish for the men in that time, in the culture, where they thought it looked beautiful for a woman to have small feet. So what they would do is they would wrap the band, they, the bones would break, and they would fit their feet into this thing. They will mold their feet into, a, into this tiny little shoe for their fetish. And we see the attack on women, the special hatred towards women. We see that women were not allowed to vote right away. We see that the history woman is very disgusting. We see the special hatred towards the woman. So imagine this woman in this context. You think that you've, you've experienced you know, discrimination for your gender and for your skin, for your color. I mean, this woman, her situation was far beyond our situation, what, we've ever, what we could ever experience. She was broken beyond brokenness. She was hopeless beyond hopelessness. And it is in this context, Luke chapter 7 happens. I mean, what a beautiful story. What a courageous story. Three points for you guys. Number one is this. She was a courageous sinner. Now, a little contradictory and irony here because can a sinner be courageous? Like, courageous is a positive word. Sinner, like, how does that work? It's kind, of, it's kind of like saying a mountain climber being afraid of heights, right? Antonia's like... Heights, climber, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, we are all sinners, all of us. And the first step, it takes courage to admit that. It takes courage to admit that you're an addict. What is the first step in AA meeting? When you have an addiction, it's to what? Admit that you have an addiction. That's the first step. We have to come to a place in life where we admit and we come to a place were we okay that we are a sinner before a holy God? Does that mean that you're weak? When you say right now, I'm a sinner, does that mean that you're a weak individual? No, absolutely not. It shows humility. It's something that is absolutely necessary for us to be saved. So she was a courageous sinner, and it's, it takes courage to admit that you are a sinner. And what she does here is just courageous beyond courageous. People somehow paint this picture that women are weak. What this woman did by coming into this Pharisee's house, again, she's in the presence of men, <laughs> highly religious, conservative men. And these are nice men. Like, I don't know, like David would be like, hey, guy, come on, give you water and all these different things. These are like evil <laughs> Like, they have special hatred against this woman. There, she's in the presence of man, and it took great, great courage for her to be here in this place. Let's take a look at verse 37 to 39. A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and put perfume on them. Why? Because she knew that she was a sinner. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. You're a sinner, so what? We're all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, That we are all sinners, falling short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And the wages of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. And we understand that with sin, as sinners, our final destination is death. And when I'm talking about death, I'm talking about death without God. All of eternity, doomed to hell, everlasting, without God for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, meaning without a Savior, without Jesus Christ, without the season reminding us of the birth and the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the birth, the full full man, full God, without him in the picture, that we are doomed for all of eternity. Even in death, we have no life. But as Christians, even in death, we have life. So the question here is, how deep were this woman's sins? This wo- How deep were her sins? How deep are your sins? How deep are your depths? And the answer is, as deep as the oceans. It's in my DNA. Since Adam and Eve, without Christ, I am lost. I am forever lost in my sins to eternity without God, doomed for all of eternity without God. And for the wages of sin, is death. But, but, Romans 6.23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life. In who? In. The key word is in. Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazing revelation. What an amazing truth for us to take in this season where you feel hopeless. You can take on this truth that in Christ Jesus I have eternal life and it's a gift. It's a free gift that's been given to me. The truth, all of us are sinners. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. That's the truth. We're all in the same boat on the path until we take our final breath. Good news is that in Christ, you no longer need to wallow and stay lost in your sinful state. And how do you go to Christ? You turn to Him with repentance, just like this woman. You repent. And we talked about how repentance is not an emotional roller coaster. We talked about it's not just you crying and saying, God, I'm sorry, and just this thing where you have tears. Yes, that's the result, not all the time. It's not a bad thing, but here we see this woman weeping, it says, weeping, wiping the feet of Jesus with her hair, the humility. Now, the weeping of this woman, it represents her genuine repentance for her sins. It's not just some casual thing where she's putting on an act. Let's see, people are here. They're watching me, let me. Let's put on an act and look good and see. But she felt deep conviction in her heart. And she went in the midst of all the opposition in the presence of these men. She didn't care. She, all she cared, her focus was on the Lord, and that's it, on the Messiah. This this woman, Weeping, it represents her genuine repentance for her sins. So today, right now, as you're sitting here, if you feel broken, if you feel like you have so much sin that you have accumulated over the years, or the weeks, and the months, and feel like you are not good enough. And if you are broken right now, I mean, God bless you. God bless you. God bless me, God bless us. That is why Christ has come. You are blessed. There is hope for you. It says in in Psalm 51, David writes, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contract. What is contract? It means a repentant heart. If you have a repentant heart, oh God, you will not despise. But it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Are you humble like this woman? are you she was a courageous sinner number two she was rejected but was accepted let's wrap it she was rejected but was accepted in other words she was rejected by men but she was accepted by God she was rejected by society but she was accepted by God and at the end of the day Even if no one is on your side, even in the future, even in your workplace, even when no one is on your side, you're okay because God is on your side and God accepts you when we repent. Verse 39, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus, he's such a gentleman. He's the true avenger, right? He's the true gangster. He steps up, he steps up to the plate. He doesn't shy away, like a lot of us men do when we are in a situation where when our friends, especially guys, when they start talking about vulgar things, topics, we are afraid to confront and say, hey, stop. Or when we see something happening on the street or on the subway, we get scared away. and. That's our fault, but yes, but it's in our DNA. That's what, Adam, that's what Adam did, right? When Satan was, when the serpent was tempting Eve, it says Adam was right there. Adam knew the instructions, but he stood there passively. That's our sin. But Jesus, let's look at verse 44. He is the man, right? Verse 44, what does he do? Going to 50, he says, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? He's calling Simon out, saying, you don't know what it means to be forgiven. That's why you're not loving. You don't know what it is to be loved. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Her faith gave her the hope that she needed in the midst of all the rejection that she was getting around her. This woman is rejected by men, but is accepted and affirmed and protected by Jesus Christ himself. If you had a choice and you want to get affirmation from someone, would you want to get it from, I don't know, Ryan Gosling, a celebrity, to tell you that you're worth it? Or would you rather hear from God himself? You want to know and hear from God himself? Then read the scriptures. Read the word. The Bible says you are his beloved that you are his own, that he knows the number of hair on your heads, that before you were even born, that he had a plan and a purpose for your life. Don't try to find affirmation in this world. You will not find it. You will be rejected in this life, and you will be disappointed. Take courage like this woman, for you will not be rejected by Jesus Christ. She was rejected by the people, yes. The men around her, yes. She was being judged, yes. But she was accepted and affirmed and protected by Jesus Christ himself. Meaning, our courage should never come from the self, from myself. But let it come from God. For you cannot save yourself. Just like the story of David and Goliath. This young boy, you know, the source of David's confidence. It did not come from his self-confidence and who he thought he was, but he came from his confidence in God, in his image, in who God created him to be. His confidence came from the Lord. David was not men-fearing, but God-fearing. It was not self-courage, but it was God-courage, which ties in with point one and two. She was rejected, but was accepted. And last point, number three, the greatest hope. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, you have the greatest hope. hope. And that's the answer in our life. And what is that answer? That there is always forgiveness, there's salvation in Jesus Christ. That she found her greatest hope in Christ. Let's take a look at verse 40 to verse 50. He says this, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two men owe money to a certain money lender. One owed him, again, two years worth, and the other a month, over a month. Salary, neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave, canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven, canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my, hair, my feet with her, with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I enter has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has put perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And that's what I'm here to tell you. Go in peace, for you have the greatest hope. Do you have peace right now? In the midst of all the battles and all the attacks in your mind, everything that's going on in your life right now, family situations, school situation, relationship situation are you able to put your focus on Christ as this woman did? Or are you distracted? Your faith can save you. And who is this faith in? It's not in your abilities. It's not in yourself. It's not in your relationships. It's not in your friendships. It's not in your jobs. This faith can only happen if it's found in Jesus Christ. And the faith that she had in Jesus Christ has saved her. And therefore, she was able to go in peace. So I'm here to tell you today, go in peace. Finish this year strong in peace, for you have the greatest hope. And who is the greatest hope? Jesus Christ. Let the season of Advent remind you of who you serve, of who your God is. Say, I know who my God is. When you're being attacked, you say, I know who my God is. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know who loves me. I know who died for me. And I know who gave himself for me. Therefore, take courage right now. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So closing here with the message today. And with our eyes closed at this time without any distractions, this is your time before the Lord between you and Christ Himself, between you and God. And the question is this. And the question is Have you been forgiven much? Answer that question in your heart. How much have you been forgiven? How many and how much debts have been canceled? How much have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven much? If your answer is yes, you say yes, is as deep as the oceans, then you must love him the most. You must love him the most. You must humble yourself the most. You must come and repent and you must turn back to the Lord as we talked about last week with the prodigal son. The bigger your sins, the bigger your deaths, the more you better run to him. You better. Not away from him, for that's what the devil wants you to do don't run away from the father don't run away from the one who canceled all your debts don't run away from the one who loves you the most who died for you who gave himself for you so that you can have life not away from him never you must say god how can i how can i ever betray you how can i ever forsake you lord And you must always remember the truth is that no matter how big your sins are, no matter how big you feel like your sins are, you will be forgiven. But that's only if you run to Jesus as this woman did. The truth is you will not be left hopeless. Just like this woman, embarrassed, lost. But Jesus will come and he will be your avenger. He will come and affirm you and he will protect you. For that's who he is the good news is if you cry out to Jesus right now at this time right now at this time you will be saved if you repent and ask for forgiveness right now you will be saved you can pursue all the dreams of this world have all the dreams of this world that this world has to offer but in the end it will all disappear All your savings, all your belongings, all your relationships that you're working so hard to keep. All of life comes down to one thing and that answer is Jesus Christ. And that's what the season of heaven is all about. It's to remind you of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. For God so loved the world, For God so loved you that He gave His one and only Son, His begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. That if you declare with your mouth right now in your seat that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God rises from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Simple as that. Nothing more, nothing less. I wanted to share this story. We had a member a few years ago now. We all knew him and we loved him dearly. And as he was nearing his death, his final breath in life, I remember this because we came back from our our first mission trip and I got a message that helicopter had to come and just things were looking really bad I remember going to the hospital and didn't have much strength and in the neck and he wrote please pray for me and that took a while because he didn't have the strength and I and I remember telling him yes of course we love you we're here for you we're praying for you of course And after all of his accomplishments and all that his mother had wanted for him, he was a young man, was to find God. All she wanted for him was to find Jesus Christ. And I remember after his passing, you know, after the funeral, and the mother came to me and told me that she knew with confidence that he gave his life to the Lord the end of life, we could save up all these things. We could do all these amazing things in this life. But you know what? Naked we are born. Naked we will leave. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That is who I am. A sinner saved by grace. Lord, thank you that God that you love me. Thank you that God that you remember me. Thank you for allowing me to be born and to live this life so that I can have a relationship with you. Let us remember right now today to run back to our Father. Peace. Your faith has saved you. Find that peace in Jesus Christ. Not in anything else, but in Jesus Christ. Right now. Can we pray right now? Can we run to the Father? Can we tell Him what's in our hearts? Let's run back to Him. Let's come and repent, let's pray together. said these words in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If thou were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Jesus has already prepared a place for us. That even in death, we have a place for all of eternity with Christ heaven with him and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am you know the, you know the way to the place where I'm going Thomas said to him Lord we don't know where you're going so how can we know the way a lot of us ask the same question as Thomas did the doubting Thomas Jesus answered I am the way the truth and the the life. I'll say it again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we have access to forgiveness and to restoration into having peace and hope in this life not just in this life for the life after for all of eternity God just the way that you've shown hope to this sinful woman in this passage in Luke 7 God we too that when we run to you that when we turn to you oh God just like Luke 15 with the story of the prodigal son or the story of the 99 for one that when we run to you, you're not just a father who pursues after us. You're not just a shepherd that pursues after us. But you're a father who is patiently waiting. And when you see us, you don't stand there waiting for us to come to you. You run to us. When we feel like God, we need. We deserve all the punishment and all the pain and all the things that we've committed. God, you give us, you instill within us a new identity. Hope once again. Hope once again, oh God. You give us the best of everything. And God already you've given us your everything. You've given us your life. God, you've given us your everything for us so that I can have life. So God, I just want to thank you for the hope that we have. As we're in the season of Advent, let us remember the word hope. Hope. Remember for this week. Hope. Your hope is found in Christ, in Christ alone. Your faith has saved you. Go peace. May your hope be found in Jesus Christ and in no one else and in nothing else but in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. God's people pray. Amen. Amen.